Hello and welcome to Follow Me and Die. I'm your host, Larry Hamilton. And today is the inaugural episode of Thursday Thoughts. I had the idea occur to me that since I'm doing Tuesday Tales, and I'd already decided to do a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday regular schedule, that Thursday Thoughts would be great for a regular Thursday podcast. So I'll discuss topics that are on my mind related to RPGs or other popular RPG topics of recent days. And today's topic has been making the rounds on other RPG podcasts, and I have more to say about it than just a 60-second call-in. So after this call-in from Spike Pit, I will present to you the first Thursday thoughts about hirelings and henchmen. First up, Spike Pit, with a comment about my first Tuesday Tales about Margus Greystone just a couple of days ago. Take it away, Colin. Hi, Larry. Incoming message from Spike Pit. Just listened to your last episode, your Tuesday Tales. I uh, thought it was very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to hear them stories, and uh, it's, it's good to get a bit of that nostalgia going. However, I tell you what, I really, I really struggle to remember the um, individual sessions and stuff that went on in our games. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but yeah, I just remember playing, liking the games. I've got some dim and distant memories of characters, but what we actually did, mate, I tell you what, that's a bit of a mystery. Anyway, glad you can remember your stories and uh, look forward to some more in the future. Catch you later, mate. Bye. Hey, Colin, thanks for your call in. Yes, I uh, don't remember all the characters and their adventures either. A lot of people really remember their very first character. I'm not for sure who my first character was. I think it was probably a halfling, but I don't remember. I don't have, I didn't save every single character I ever made because they were very short-lived back in the day. I saved the ones that survived and did the most memorable things and had the most uh, levels and so forth because those were the ones that lived or lived long enough to be memorable uh, or had some hope of maybe running that character again. So uh, don't feel bad. Uh, I've got vivid memories of quite a few things, but not everything. Um, so, uh, I do believe you're a few years younger than I, and, uh, it's not that you forget things when you get older, you just have a longer list of life experiences to cycle through before you can get to the one you want. So, uh, just keep exercising that memory and you may be able to recover some of those. So anyway, on to the episode. And so, on to the first Thursday thoughts. Back in the day, we would hire porters, you know, guys to watch the animals, torch bearers, lantern bearers, some muscle, and I remember one time we ended up just having this long winding line of adventurers followed by their henchmen, followed by guys leading mules into the dungeon. 
because we read in, I think it was, had to be the first monster manual, uh, the mules were sure-footed in the dungeon. And so that gave us a brilliant idea. Well, we'll get a mule with uh, saddlebags and pack harness and they can carry so much weight. So yeah, that's a lot of gold they can carry. So we have the mule actually going down with us. Uh, I know how I would adjudicate doing that today, um, but that was me as a player. Um, so that was definitely not a very efficient or effective way to do it. Um, the characters in that, I don't even remember who the characters were cause that was way back towards the early days. Um, we had the Holmes blue box and I think we had the player's handbook and we must've had the monster manual. Um, and it is, if I understand correctly, the monster manual came out first and then the player's handbook. And I don't remember, um, how this fits in the chronology. Cause I know that my brother convinced me to buy the Holmes blue box and we got our mom to drive us to the nearest place that had it. And then for the Christmas of 1978, she got me the player's handbook. And I don't remember if I had already purchased the monster manual or if I got it after the player's handbook. I do know we had both of them before the DM's guide because that was the last one to come out. So anyway, uh, we were also, I remember, so uh, almost obsessed with getting a mount so we didn't have to walk anywhere. Or we would buy a mule and ride the mule to the dungeon and then load it up with stuff and walk back. Um, and so we'd often go with leather armor so we'd have enough to buy the cheapest mount. Um, so we had a some sort of a mount or pack animal. Uh, we also did that with longbows. Oh, longbows. Yeah, we got to have a longbow. And so we'd skimp on other things so we could come up with the 60 gold for a longbow. Because with that random starting gold, you never knew what you were going to get. Uh, other things we did were buy uh, guard dogs. Those were great. You buy a few war dogs, you know, a few guard dogs to help you uh, even out the fight. They were multiple hit dice. So you're going to cross a multiple hit die creature. You, you know, the dog can help minimize how many attacks it gets on everybody else and then once we had an adventure or two under our belt and we built up some wealth we could hire even more hirelings to help you know so more porters more guards sometimes both uh probably more guard dogs lots of guard dogs and hirelings died helping us get to and from the dungeon um in the sunday ad and d roll 20 game i play in i play a magic user ermon and from the start he hired bodyguards. He had two bodyguards to keep him alive and the best armor he could afford. And as he had more money, he got him better armor. And I don't even think my wizard has been knocked unconscious maybe once. Uh, and those hirelings, they were knocked down a lot, but we kept patching them up. And uh, my wizard uh, made sure they had magic weapons. He paid them well and all was fine until we were attacking some bugbears that were working for the local wizard. Um, I, I'm guesstimating he was ninth level because he had teleport, a fifth level spell. Uh, Mightius was his name. And after I fireballed and negated the effectiveness of the bugbears to resist, the wizard shows up because one of them ran off and got help, and he dropped fireball on Ermon. Well, the two 
hirelings, Freak and Thogi, fell down dead because even if they'd have made their save, there was enough damage it would have killed them. And I had just like three hit points left or some craziness like that. So I go running off singed and smoldering. And uh, I had managed to get up to sixth level with those two hirelings. So once we got back to town, we hired more help to protect my stuff and guard me. And we went after, uh, and I always paid a premium and my fellow players would just give me a hard time. How much did you give those guys? Hey man, I want to stay alive. You know, uh, I got to sleep sometime. And if I don't trust these guys, I'm screwed because a magic user with a knife in his throat can't help anybody. Um, so we, uh, Pay them well. The word gets out there treated well. So, hey, he's not such a bad guy. But don't cross him because do you know what he can do? You should have seen what I saw him do. And over the years, I've had lots of hirelings and uh, henchmen. I think I'm going to use the term retainer in replace of henchmen. That's more welcoming and... Uh, implies that it doesn't have to be male to be uh, a hired leveled follower. So way back when, my brother had us roll 6d6 for our abilities. Well, I'm the one that managed to roll six ones. And my brother was watching me roll. And we had a good laugh about that. Of course, that had to go on Charisma. So good old Fazbold Torion, human fighter, he was a gruff fellow, but he did manage to convince somebody to become a retainer. And that was Flayasan Os. I think uh, Fazbold was like third or fourth level, Flayasan was like first level, and he must have got up to second level when the com campaign stopped. And Fazbold managed to save... Flayasan's life so many times, plus he treated him well, that he was fanatically loyal. My brother told me what his loyalty was. It was like 160% or some craziness like that. And if you've ever looked at the AD&D DM guide for the rules for loyalty, uh, that, that's really pretty good. So it would take a lot to get him to break his morale. The character I talked about this past Tuesday on Tuesday Tales, uh, and uh, the few days before that, the story I was telling about him that got people to encourage me to tell more stories from back in the day, well, Griswold. He had several retainers over the years. His first was a human fighter, Albert Brown, and he was like six foot nine or something like that. And uh, he was like sixth level when the big, powerful wizard in the area called in all the favors everybody owed him. So all the different player characters that had their own individual personal favors owed to him, he called them in because there was some magic item he wanted. And we go off to face some dragon to get this item. And uh, we had a different player running Albert. So my henchman was being ran by another player and he wasn't a new player. And I thought everything was going to be fine. 
and I knew he'd been hit and wounded a few times, and I kept saying, do you need healing? How many points you got? You okay? And he kept saying, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, as I mentioned, Griswold was a multi-class character, a fighter, cleric, magic user. So I've got all kinds of spells and magic items and other things I'm trying to juggle. And I was trusting this other player to play my henchman smartly. And, well, anyway... I guess this other player thought walking around an area with a known dragon and about six hit points was a good idea. I, I guess he didn't want to be the burden and have us use up all of our healing, but Griswold was like ninth level as a cleric by that, or, you know, eighth or ninth level, some, you know, high enough. He had lots of different healing spells. Plus there was another even higher level cleric running around with us. Plus, I'm sure other people had healing potions and whatnot. So it's not like we couldn't spare the healing. But no, he was fine. And of course, the dragon breathed, and it was so much damage that it was way beyond negative 10. So he was ashed, nothing left. So nothing to even, it would take a resurrection to bring him back. And Albert's death by inept player was allowed to stand by the DM. And I tell you what, losing a sixth level retainer sucks because it took forever at 10% of the experience to get a, uh, a henchman, a retainer up in levels. And sixth level, oh my gosh, I paid him well. He had good armor. I gave him magic. I ensured he was healed. And his loyalty was nearly fanatical. And oh, I am guess I still haven't got over that because that 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 hurt and let's move on about the same time Griswold hired Albert he hired Aleem a magic user and Aleem still lives and last we played was a 10th level magic user almost a wizard and Griswold is ready to set him up with a tower and grant some lands when he achieves wizard so Griswold's doing all he can making sure he's got spells and magic and components and all that other stuff. And after losing Albert, of course, he had to replace him. So he hired William, a human fighter. And I believe about the same time he hired Elaine, a human magic user. And I think William's getting close to ninth level as a fighter. And Elaine is like seventh or eighth level as a magic user. And so I'm keeping the magic users busy making scrolls. Uh, unfortunately, he doesn't have the cash to build a lab to hire an alchemist to help make potions, uh, but he's working on that. He's getting, well, he's not yet 12th level as a magic user, which you got to be ridiculously high level. Well, no. Yeah, 11th level as a magic user, I guess you can finally make potions. Uh, some of those rules I don't really care for. That's, uh, But anyway, those are the rules, and that's what we play by. Um, and then... Uh, on the Wednesday night AD&D Roll20 game, my original character in that campaign, Thorfus Ironhand, a dwarf, hired a human magic user as a retainer. And, oh boy, I've got a retainer now. Well, unfortunately, he didn't survive his first adventure. He was squashed beyond negatives. It was really bad. And so, uh, never took the opportunity to try to hire another one. Uh, 
Now, in the Wednesday night game, we have two hirelings that the group hired like the third or the fourth session, and they went over 100 sessions and lived. And that was great. Um, until we went up against a big battle with the evil, a faction of the evil space dwarves, and we lost most of the party. Um, but the main reason to get hirelings is to spread out the hits from monsters and other opponents to help increase the survivability of the characters. Now, uh, I don't like the way our DM does the XP with hirelings. Not henchmen, not retainers, hirelings. They're basically experience point sinks. So for everybody involved in the combat, even if they are not leveled NPCs or PCs, they suck away XP. Well, back in the day, if you were not capable of going up in levels, you couldn't suck away XP. And that's uh, the way we always did it. And I guess there are some interpretations that would agree with uh, the way our DM does it. But if you're zero level, you didn't get XP because you couldn't level up. So my argument is if a hireling affects the distribution of XP, they should level up. You know, uh, and back in the day, we also didn't divide our XP by anybody killed during a fight or incapacitated during a fight or didn't otherwise participate in a fight. Um, and so, uh, anyway, that's just a little side there that kind of relates into, uh, hirelings and retainers. So there were also several times Griswold stumbled upon the lair of a tough creature, but because he didn't have the necessary preparations to haul off the treasure, all he could do is scoop up the most valuable stuff he could find and stagger off, and by the time he could come back with guards in a wagon, the loot was gone. That happened two or three times. Oh, I've, I really hated that, but it always happened when you're doing something that requires stealth, so you can't be tromping along with a bunch of guards in a wagon if you're trying to be sneaky, and then you say, oh, I've discovered this big treasure. Well, then you got to figure out how to go back and uh, get help and come get it in a timely manner, well, that could never happen. Uh, so I don't know how many thousands of gold and potential magic that I missed out on because of stuff like that. Um, and there were a few times back in the day that we left hirelings to guard mounts and camp. And sometimes we used retainers to leave them behind to watch the camp or cover our backs, like guarding the entrance to the dungeon, the lair, etc. Though I believe Aleem stayed, my Magicator henchman of Griswold, uh, stayed back at the camp and the ship we took across the lake uh, to guard that while Albert came with us. And that's why Aleem's still around, because he didn't go with us into the area where the dragon was. And most of the time back in the day, we did take our retainers with us because usually they had useful spells and abilities. So they'd be right there with us. Um, a lot of other people have talked about they basically just watched camp. And that tactically does make a lot of sense to watch your gear. I guess uh, we tended to take a lot of chances that we shouldn't have. And uh, I'm not sure how we managed to keep having 
our mounts and stuff left behind. We must have had some hirelings or something, because knowing my brother, he'd have sent some monster to take it out. Uh, but if you're going to use the uh, XP rules that RDM uses, we'd be much better served to use that XP drain that the DM implemented by having retainers instead of hirelings. Yes, retainers cost more. You got to pay them better than you do a hireling, but at least you get levels out of it. Uh, so I don't know how many levels worth of XP got wasted because we weren't letting the hireling absorb that extra. Uh, so those are some of my thoughts and experiences about hirelings and retainers. Um, I don't know much about the 5e and how they handle it. I don't recall reading anything about it. I guess I'll have to dig into that. And other versions of D&D, 2, 3, 3, 5, and 4, I don't know, didn't play them. So I can't speak to those at all. Um, but I think this is a good topic. Uh, I haven't listened to everybody. I guess uh, Eric Tinkar kicked off this topic that got everybody else started. I've listened to a couple other people and what they had to say about it. And uh, uh, interesting to get the different viewpoints. So uh, I'm not sure I really said a whole lot that was new, but that was my take on it. Thanks for listening and game on. And here's the end blurb. You can find Follow Me and Die at my blog, followmeanddie.com, here on Anchor and the many other places where my podcast is syndicated, Follow Me and Die YouTube channel, and you can find me on various sites where you see my social media avatar by the amazing Satine Phoenix. I have a social page on my blog that directs to all my various social media. To check out more of my thoughts and opinions in the realm of RPGs and games, check out my other sites. I also contribute to Multiverse World by the new TSR. If you like the podcast and the other things I share online, there are a few ways you can support my efforts. First, tell me and tell others. Just getting the word out is important. Consider backing my Patreon. Patrons get a vote on what PDF I publish next on one bookshelf. You can check out my first Pay What You Want PDF at either DriveThruRPG or RPG Now. I also have a Teespring store where you can get a shirt with my logo, the same one by Satine Phoenix. Thanks for listening, and game on!